there's still power in the name of Jesus that breaks every chain, breaks every assignment, breaks every work of the enemy. We thank you that your name is still above every name. You are El Elyon. You are the Most High God. And so we thank you today, Most High God, that we can call you our God. And that you hear us when we pray. And you break every chain. Every force of the enemy. There's nothing the devil can ever do or any assignment of hell that can ever come against us. It's greater than the finished work of Calvary and what you've already accomplished for us. There's no sin that we've ever committed greater than the grace that you've provided. There's no yoke or no bondage that we'll ever deal with that you have not already conquered and overcome. And we thank you today for your faithfulness. We thank you today for the power that is in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the availability, God, that we can use your name. God, we just use that name today, not lightly, but with authority. And we say in the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise your Father. Praise your Father. Amen. You may be seated today. Amen. It's, it's good to be in a house of the Lord where the presence of the Lord is here. You think that when a church opens and has the name of a church upon it that the presence of the Lord just automatically is there but it's not so there are many places today that it's been so long since they've experienced the presence of God that generations don't even know how to engage God how to flow in his presence but it's a great thing to be a part of a church where that his presence is here and we honor his presence. Amen. How many know people today that, that we've been talking to you about praying for people and I, I trust that you have been thinking about those four people that God would have you pray for. And, uh, you know, there's people that need what we have. We're not for everybody, but we're for somebody. And there are people that are yet to, that we need to reach at the tabernacle that we have have not yet reached. Amen. And so we've been asking ourselves, what can we do to reach more people? How can we expand? How can we impact our region more? And the staff and I have been praying and agreeing in times of prayer over that. And we feel that it's time for us to go into uh, two morning worship experiences where that we will have our worship services at nine and then we'll have life groups or Sunday school in between and then we'll have 11 o'clock service and we're going to uh, begin that in October the 19th during this time of the end series. Now, how many understand that the end is not a scary thing? If you're scared of the end, then you need to get saved. But for the believer, it's an exciting thing. 
Amen. And I know a lot of folks talk about, you know, the book of Revelation. They call it Revelations, and they think they've got a bunch of revelations on the end time and talk to you about these monsters coming out of the ocean and all of that and three-headed beasts and uh, the seven seals and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we're going to talk to you about what's going to come because there's a lot of people that are interested and they want to know what's going to take place. And this is something I've been preaching for over 30 years. I've never preached on the end time, but I'm going to preach on that in, in October. October the 19th, we'll start two services. It will enable us to reach more people and we will impact our region and our community. And it's going to be an exciting thing. And we're believing God for many souls to be saved and brought into the kingdom of God. Amen. Exciting times, exciting times, exciting times. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of labor, but God doesn't reward laziness. I said, God don't reward laziness. He rewards those who work. Amen. He promised he would bless the work of our hands, not the laziness of our lives. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to reach more people in October. We're believing God for lives to be changed. We had last week, we had two young people give their heart to the light, their Lord heart to the Lord in the, in the back in our children's ministry. Amen. And we thank God for that. And, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, elder rich, Uh, spoke and did a great job uh, speaking on Wednesday night. And I'm going to go back to that same place because the Lord's been speaking to me as well. And I'm not trying to add to his message, neither uh, clarify anything. But how many know that God's word is inexhaustible? And so he can speak to us in different ways. And that's what is taking place here. And so I just want to go today to Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 10. Genesis 28 and verse number 10, starting there and read down through verse 19. And Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran and he lit upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stone of that place and he put them for a, his pillows and he laid down in the place to sleep and he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to the heavens and behold, an angel of God was ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, the fa- thy father, and the God of Isaac. And the land where you are, uh, you have, I will give it to you and your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in, and you and Your seed shall be all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you in all places wherever you go. And will bring you again to unto this land. 
Notice that. And I will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken unto you. And Jacob awakes out of his sleep and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This, how dreadful is this place? How, how dreadful is this place? What place? The place when God is here, but you don't know it. It's a dreadful place when God is present, but you don't recognize his presence. How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You hear me talk about it many times whenever people are putting down the church and putting down uh, the, the body of Christ or coming together such as we do on Sundays. And they say that I don't need to do that. I don't, it, you know, put, put it down, disregard it, that it doesn't have any validity or any strength. But God says here, and you've heard me say it before, and this is where I get it, that the church is the gateway into the earth for heaven and this is what Jacob seen he said this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven so it's the access from heaven into the earth and the earth into heaven and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took a stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and he called the name of the place Bethel but the name of the city was called Luz at that first. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, going back in order to move forward. Going back in order to move forward. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for your presence today. We honor you today. I pray now that you would speak to our hearts, that you would minister to us in this moment. God, that you would take our time together and cause it to be most effective. You promised us that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we pray today, Spirit of the living God, that you would breathe life upon your word and allow it to be a rhema in due season. And let us leave here today knowing that we have not wasted our time, but we have access heaven in this place today. God, we give you praise and thanks for it in the matchless name of Jesus. And amen. Amen. Nudge your neighbor a little bit and tell him sometimes you got to go back to move forward. Sometimes you've got to go back to move forward. God of Bethel. The name of the place where Jacob had the vision of a ladder, where it was erected, where he erected this altar. The scripture is clear that we are not to return to the things of sin and bondage that God has brought us out of. Two amens. Let me say that again. The scripture is clear that we are not to return back to the things of sin that God has brought us out of. 
you can, uh, Pastor Jack has told me his story many times and, uh, of, of uh, nicotine addiction and how that God answered his prayer and instantly he laid down nicotine and uh, yet uh, on occasions process of life he went back to that and there was a struggle getting free from that but God honored that. What I'm saying is this, is whenever you go through the process and God delivers you from a thing and you willingly go back to that thing, you're going to have to struggle. It isn't that God won't set you free from it. It isn't that God won't give you victory in it, but he he sets you free once and he's saying, don't go back to it again. Uh, you see, he, he is a God that will deliver us. The scripture is clear that, that we are not to go back into sin. He, he shows us a picture of Lot and him coming out of sin. He coming out of a city that is so wicked and all kinds of perversion in it. And he gives them instruction to not go back. And the, yet the Bible said that Lot's wife turned back. She looked back. Now, what's the, what's the problem with gazing? What's the problem with just looking back? She never, it doesn't suggest that she even turned around and went back toward the city, but she looked back. But the, the situation is this, is you're, the rest of your body is going to go in the direction in which your head is pointed. You don't, you don't walk backwards through life. If you do, you're messed up. Come on. Amen. You, you're always going to go in the direction in which your head is pointed. And so even though it does not suggest to us that Lot took steps back toward the sinful nature or the city in which God had so miraculously brought them out of, it suggested that she was about to. Because you see, your process of your journey and life always start in your mind. Everything begins with a thought. And so when we begin to think upon those things, it suggests that Lot's wife began to think about the sin, began to think about perhaps the pleasure of sin because there is pleasure in sin. The Bible doesn't say there isn't pleasure in sin. He said there's pleasure for a season. But the end thereof is eternal damnation. And so there, there is a season in which we enjoy that sinful nature. She perhaps began to think about that. She began to meditate upon that. Because whatever you meditate upon and what you begin to think upon will be ultimately the direction in which you go in. And so if you're always constantly thinking about negative and discouragement and frustration, if you're always thinking about the, the, uh, what is the, uh, the evil is or things of lust or things of desire in your mind and you ponder upon those things, that will be the direction that you ultimately will go in. And so Lot's wife had turned her face back toward that which God brought them out of and he and God said, that she turned to a pillar of salt. With that being said, there are times in our lives when it feels like instead of going forward, we are going in reverse. Can I get an honest witness this morning? 
I'm not talking about going back to the things of sin that you've come out of. I'm talking about you're doing everything that you know to do in your life to be faithful to the kingdom of God, to be faithful to the work of the Lord and to be obedient to his heavenly call upon your life. And yet it seems as though that you're in reverse instead of moving forward. Other people passing you on the road of life. Other people just seeming like where you are in the same season are accelerating past you while you are doing all of the diligence and all of the faithfulness to try to go forward and yet they, they haven't even been saved as long as you. It doesn't look like they're putting as much effort into it. Can we be honest? As you. And yet... The progress that they are making is so much more accelerated than what your progress is that it seems as though that you are going backward instead of forward. But let me just say today that's the dangerous thing is for you to to judge yourself by another person's life. Because we are not all called to the same purpose. We don't all have the same call upon our lives. Neither do we all have the same destiny. Yes, all of us are called for heaven. All of us are called to be children of God. But we all have a different purpose in his body. And so if I judge my relationship by by Elder Rich's relationship here, then I will get jacked up in a season of my life that I don't need to. To be messed up because his destiny is different than my destiny. And so if I judge it by what where I am and how accelerated or how slow that I'm moving through a season, it will cause me to not fulfill my destiny, but somebody's destiny in which I am judged by. And so I have to look at my life and say, what is it that God has called me to? And then I begin to realize that, that even though that they may be accelerating in this season. I don't judge myself by how quickly they move through life. I judge myself according to the purpose that God has placed within me. I judge myself by the call that God has for my life. And so I don't get concerned on this road of life of how quickly one moves or another moves. I stay focused upon the heavenly call and the purpose in which God has put in my heart. There are times when going back is not a bad thing. There are times whenever actually going back is actually progress. And Jacob had an experience with God that changed his life. He was shown the order of God. He was shown how God uh, responds to mankind. He was seen in a vision, this ladder that was ascending into the heavens. It on one end was the heavens and the other end was the church. And he would access that place of, of the heavenlies. But the Bible says that there were angels that were ascending. And so it suggests to me that in order for us to receive from God, in order for us to go where God wants us to go, that we first have to give him something. Angels were not going up just so they could go up. 
but they were carrying uh, Jacob's prayers to heaven. They were taking his praise to heaven. They were taking his thanksgiving to heaven. They were taking that in which Jacob was giving unto God and they were the delivery system unto from the earth into the heavens whereby that when Jacob would praise and he would worship God that the angels would take that praise into the throne room. He would pray and intercede and it would be his prayers that would go up into the heavenlies. His thanksgiving and his worship mixed with his prayer would go up before the Lord. And it was then that he said that angels would descend. You see, there is the Bible said that he would send his angels to minister to the heirs of salvation. And so it was a descending of the angels coming into the earth and through the gate of, of heaven, through the to the earth through the church that would release the prayer and the answer in which Jacob was praying about. It was a response to as the angels would come back down, it would be in a response to Jacob's praise, his thanksgiving, his prayers that would reach the heavens and now there was an answer. How many know that your worship has a response in heaven? It, it is more than us it, when it's more than us clapping hands it's more than us lifting hands it's more than us singing a song or shouting a shout but the fact of it is that there is a repercussion there is there is a manifestation there is a representation in the spirit realm by the natural thing in which you do and so when you clap your hands it sounds like uh, unto the Lord and as I told you before it doesn't just the clapping of your hands but it's a response of your heart and when you clap your hands it, so and it sounds just in the natural like clapping your hands but in the spirit it is like a thunder that shakes hell because there is somebody that is saying I believe the report of the Lord I believe the promises of God and so when we praise him when we worship him it, it, it sets off something in the supernatural realm that which your natural eyes cannot see but there is a shift that is taking place that will cause those things that you cannot see to come into that which you can see and it lines it up in the natural so that you can fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for you and so Jacob prays and the, when he prays the angels ascend with his prayers, with his praise, with his thanksgiving. They descend with answers, direction, and purpose. Jacob did something interesting. He marked the place that God spoke to him. Sometimes God will speak to us, but we don't mark the place. So when... We need him to speak in our lives. Now we understand that, that this is before Jesus rescinded. We understand that there were certain places that God met, right? This is before the Holy Spirit came. I understand all of that, but I want to get a spiritual understanding this morning that there are times in our life we need to mark where God has spoken to us. We need to make it as a place that says, this is where God met with me. 
because there are some times in your life that, that God will speak a word into your life and give you direction for your life. And then through the season of life, you begin to lose your way. You begin, the enemy is so, and things of life become so heavy upon you that you, you feel as though that, that that is just a fading word. It, it, it isn't real anymore. It doesn't resonate any longer. And if for no other reason that you need to mark that place, you need to mark it so that when that time comes in your life, you can take the enemy back to the place where that God spoke a promise in your life and say, I received word right here. This is where God made it very clear to me. This is the direction that I am to go. And so we take him back to that place and say, look, life may happen to me, but God's word is not going to fail in my life. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He's going to watch over his his word and he is going to perform it in my life. Amen. So Jacob said something interesting. He said, I'm going to mark this place where God spoke to me. He marked it so he would know that this is where God met with me and he will meet with me here. And he will meet with you also because sometimes somebody else is on the same process and same journey of life and they just need to know where they can hear from God. Amen. They need to know that, that you can come to this place of intercession. You can come to this place of meeting and it gives encouragement. It gives faith. It gives hope to somebody else that's coming along behind you to say to, to Jacob, Jacob uh, says to them, Hey, you, you know, I know that you're dealing with things and I can't give you all the answers. I may not have all of the answers, but let me just tell you that right here in this spot is where this where this stone is is I, I was having difficulty in my own life and and I went there and I, I stayed in his presence he spent the night there the night season is always the dark season it's the season that that I don't understand all the medical things but I do understand this that that it seems as though that if somebody is going to get sick they get sick in the night and doctors will tell you when somebody is terminal, when doctors have, have gone through difficulty, they will say something like, if they make it through the night. And I want to tell you today that it is vitally important that, that we make it through the night. And Jacob was there and he did not give up, but he could have went somewhere else. He could have left. He could have gave up on it. But it was in the night season of his life that he found a pillow. It wasn't a soft pillow. A lot of times we want the soft way. We want the easy way. We want something nice and fluffy. But he found him a stone and he laid his head upon the stone. Amen. I want to tell you in the night season of your life, you need to find you a stone, a precious stone, one that's been hewn out of a mountain, one that has been tested and tried, one that has made the chief cornerstone and lay your head upon that stone, that rock, which is Jesus Christ. And don't waver, don't move, but 
just lay there and get your head connected to the stone and get all of the foolishness that the world is trying to speak into your life out of your life and let the stone begin to speak to you and give you direction and give you purpose for your night season. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Somebody bless him right there. He stayed all night on the stone. Ray put his head on the stone. He, he laid there on the stone through his night season. But this was also a life change for Jacob. It marked, he marked it so that he would remember where it was that God had changed his life. Amen. Because if God changes your life, it, it, he might need to return there again. You may need to go back to the place that God met with you before. How many know that just one time isn't enough? I've talked to you about it before, but I want to say it again that, that the place of meeting is not just for the sinner. The place of meeting is not just a place where we go one time and, and, and we just say we've got enough of God and we've got all of our answers in which we need. But the place of meeting is somewhere in which we should abide. It is a place that we should exercise coming to on a regular basis. It is a place that the past should be worn. It should not be overgrown. It should not be a place uh, to, to the place where God has met with us and we have met with him should not be a place that is overgrown with the stubble and the mess of life but it should be a well-worn path in which we can walk in so not only us but our children can walk in and our children's children let the path be so worn that multiple generations behind us can find their way to the place in which God has met with mankind let them find their way to where their grandfather experienced his glory. Let them find their way to the place where their mother found her joy. Let them find their way to the place that when they didn't know which way to turn, that their father bowed down and God changed the trajectory of their life. Let it be a place where that we are not ashamed of the gospel, but we will run to that place where God has met with us before and say, I'm going to return to that place because I know it's a sure place. I'm going to return to that place because I know that the same God that met me there before is still the same God that will touch me and minister to me here today. see, Jacob knew. He said, I love what I've just got here. I love what I feel here. I love the experience that I had here. But this experience, I, I may need to come back again. So I'm going to mark this place, not only for my own benefit, but for others that will be coming by this way. And then in Genesis chapter 35, verse number 9, it says there, And God uh, appeared unto Jacob Again, God appeared unto Jacob again, and he blessed him. 
Then I want to jump down and it said Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even the pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him Bethel. This is something that we have stopped doing, but we must return to. And that is the place of prayer. The place of prayer. Not only the place of prayer, but the results of prayer. We need to, we, we, we need to understand the power of one's testimony. Because sometimes we put on the facade as though that, that we aren't going through anything. That life is all good. And if you were more saved, you wouldn't have to be going through what you're going through. And if you was holy like I am. It's quiet up in here. And if you lived as close to God as I do, you would never go through anything. That's where I use my Greek word, baloney. Because let me tell you, at your best, life happens. I said life happens. It's not even scriptural to suggest that because you're saved that you're exempt from issues. The Bible says that there's going to rain on the just as well as the unjust. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. And so the Bible's clear. We just don't want to read all of it. But the reality is, it's going to rain on my house just as much as it is the wicked man's house. I'm going to suffer with persecution and difficulty and trouble and unjust things are going to happen to me just like the wicked person is going to have to deal with them in their life. The difference is, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. And so I come to an understanding today to understand that my relationship with God is not to exempt me from difficulty, exempt me from problems, and exempt me from life. But my relationship with God is simply to know that God is with me through life. And even though that life comes and life happens, that God's strength will sustain me. And he promised me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He promised me his grace will be sufficient for me. He promised me that even though the enemy would come in, that like a flood, the spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard against every enemy and every foe in my life. And so today I understand that it's not about stopping the process. It's about having victory in the process to overcome every situation that I have to deal with. 
And whenever I understand that, then he can change my life. And when he changes my life, then I need to give him praise for it. But it's about like the same ratio as it was in the Bible because the Bible said that Jesus healed 10 lepers. How many times have we testified of his goodness? Because the reality is he's been good to us all. It's amazing how that negative thoughts and negative words can, can seemingly get so accelerated and move so quickly that, that it's, it's easy for somebody. It's almost as though that we glory in some kind of bad things. Where that if somebody's having a bad season, if a, if a, 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 a leader or pastor has immoral issue or moral issues, it, it, it floods the, the whole nation in just a matter of time. But, but nobody was talking about them whenever they were pouring into a nation. Nobody was talking about them while they were doing good things, but it's that one negative thing. I, I'm not suggesting that we, we look over sin or um, moral issues, but what I'm saying is, isn't it interesting how that, that it is never tabbed or spoken about on Facebook or spoken about on the nation until uh, something negative happens? And then it, it floods the nation like a wildfire. And we have to understand that, that, that somewhere in the midst of all of life that is going on, that we have to take time to thank God for what he has done when he has done something for us. I know we used to have, you know, testimony services and that's a wonderful thing because it gives strength to other people. But we have to find ways today to tell our testimony, tell what God has done to us to be an encouragement. You don't have to be on the pulpit. You don't have to be on the stage. You can say it at work. You can say it in the marketplace. You can tell your testimony everywhere you are. You can encourage somebody and let them know know that I have met with God. God has touched my life. He has turned it around for me and I'm just going to give him thanks and praise for it. Amen. Nine of them got delivered. Nine of them were healed, right? But the scripture says, suggests that they continued on their journey, never giving a thought to return back. Amen. Now they had to have got an idea to go back because one of them did. One of them, Ralph, said, hey, boys, I'm going to go back and tell Jesus I'm healed and thank you. But nine of them weren't concerned about giving thanks. They got concerned about their own life. And it's interesting how that God can bless us and in the moment's time we forget about the blessing and get busy with life. Get busy with what's going on and never come back to give him thanks. Amen. I don't come to the house of the Lord because I need something all of the time. I don't come because I am pastor all of the time. 
Amen. Sometimes I just come to give him a thank you. Sometimes I just put him first. There, there isn't a measure in my mind that says when Sunday comes, when Wednesday comes, that I wonder if I'll go to the house of the Lord or not. There's not a measure of that in my mind. It's already settled for no other reason. I'm just going to put him first in my life and say I honor you and thank you for what you have already done for me. But watch this, there's power in returning to give thanks because the nine were healed of leprosy. That means that the leprosy stopped working in their life. But the one that returned to give thanks, he, Jesus told him he was healed, but he also told him your faith has made you whole. That means to be restored back to the place of completeness. In order for him, now those nine got the leprosy to stop working in their life. But the one that went back to give thanks, not only got it to stop, but everything leprosy had done in his body. Everything that it, it, the enemy had killed in him. Everything that the assignment of hell had brought against him. No longer was it just stopped, but returned to a place of completeness in his life. I want to tell you that's the power of giving him praise. That's the power of just thanking him for what he has already done because he has done the work but he just wants to bless you with an abundant life. Glory to God. Oh come on and give him praise today. There are times in your life when you cannot get momentum And you have to back up just a little bit. Have you ever got a car stuck? I know I ain't got a whole lot of country folk. <laughs> get your car stuck and get in a rut. And when you get that car stuck and get in a rut, somebody that don't know can get in there and you can push that gas pedal to the floor. And all you're going to do is blow up your motor. I don't know the proper term, but dad told me it was called rocking the car. And you get in there and you put it in drive and then you put it in reverse and you rock it back and forth. And you see, when you're in a rut, you, don't, you aren't worried about if it comes out going forward or comes out going backwards. You just need to get out of the rut. Because you know once you get out, even if you come out backwards, you can always realign yourself. And you can go forward to where your destiny is. And so today, when we cannot get momentum where we are, sometimes we just have to rock ourselves. We don't go in and out of the word. We stay in the word. We stay in prayer. We stay in worship. But we're rocking back and forward in the spirit. And we're rocking our spiritual self in that place, going forward, going backward, but staying in his presence, staying in his word until we get out of the spiritual rut that we have found ourselves 
ourselves in so that we can realign ourselves with our purpose. Because you see, God hasn't called you to be stuck. He hasn't called you to be in a place where that there is no, no purpose, where there is no plan. He does, hasn't saved you just to stay here till he returns. But he has a plan for you, Jeremiah. He has a, pl- a thought for you. And he said, it is a good thought. It is a pleasant thought. It is a perfect end. And so he has something special in mind for you. Amen. And we, we understand that today. But sometimes in the midst of where we are, we've just got to rock our spiritual selves until we can get out of that rut and begin the process to our purpose. We have to realign with the season of your life. Let me, let me help you today with something. There are some times in my life, I be, as a young uh, Christian, as a young pastor, I would get frustrated because when you don't understand what season you're in, you're fighting the season and you get frustrated because you're trying to do something out of season. And I, I come to understand, I ain't going to tell you I like it, but I come to understand you can't fight season. You can go out here uh, this afternoon after we uh, dismiss and and you can put you a coat on and look like an Eskimo and say, we're going to have a snowball fight today. But if you think that, we're going to pray for your mind because we're in the middle of summer and we're not in Alaska, there isn't no chance it's going to snow today. Come on, somebody. It's the season in which we're in. And so you can say all day long, I'm going to get a snowball. I'm on, you ain't going to get it up in here because the season in which we're in this is not a season in which snow is falling into this region. And so we can say all day long, I'm coming out, I'm going out, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But you can't fight the season, baby. You just got to know the process in that season in which you're to go. So you have to realign yourself with the season because all of the times of life, you're not hanging from the chandeliers spiritually. All of the seasons of life, you're not rejoicing and dancing. There are seasons in which you go through in life that will cause you the pressures of life and the situations of life will cause you to go back to Bethel. It will cause you to go back to the place of meeting. It will cause you to to, to the things that you thought were important of uh, seemingly do not uh, uh, even come into your mind any longer because you're now in a different season and so I have to realign myself with that season if I need to go back and recapture some things that's what I'll do if I need to let some things go that's what I'll do but one thing I know that when I come through this season I'm not planning on returning again that I'm going to come out of this season having everything that God wants me to have going to do everything God wants me to do and I'm going to have the fruit from this season in my life. You see, it's interesting to me, God never 
Word talks about your gifts yeah, and how powerful your gifts are uh, to, to, to declare to us how good we are. He always speaks about the fruit of our life. And so you see, we can be powerful and we can be anointed and they can put 15 labels on us and they can call us holy potentate and they can call us the archbishop of the most high. But the fact of the matter is that none of that stuff is going to get you out of your season. But God is going to judge you not on the gift, but the fruit that you bear during that season. And so God, help me. I don't enjoy this season, but I'm going to not focus on the difficulty. I'm not going to focus on the season. I'm going to focus on you, that you can produce the fruit in me, that when I walk out of this season, fruit will remain. Alignment is a powerful thing. You can waste a lot of money on a car that's out of alignment. It will eat your wheels up, your tires that cost you a lot of money. It will cause you to go where you're not planning on going. A car that's out of alignment, if you're not very careful, you will find yourself in the ditch of life. And so we have to be willing to pay the price for the alignment so that we can save ourselves a lot of money, time, and energy trying to fix what our alignment has done to us. And so I have to go back sometimes and realign myself so that I can get on the track in which God wants us to have. Now, it's summer now, but fall's coming. And with fall, any good redneck knows it's hunting season. Amen. If you don't know that, you ain't redneck. You just think you are. But there is, you know, one of my favorite pastimes is hunting. I think you know that. If you're PETA and all that, I'll pray for you. God bless you. But the reality is, bow season comes in the third Saturday in September. I know that because I love venison in my freezer. And um, but you can you can spend a lot of money on a bow. I know you probably don't really care about this, but I want to just share something with you. You can spend a lot of money on a bow. A lot of money. Uh, so much you don't even want your wife to know about the bow. <laughs> you just hide it in the truck in three or four years. And 
she finally sees it. Oh, I've had that a long time. But you can buy a bow and it can be very expensive. It can have everything that it needs to, that you need to be able to accurately and consistently hit your target. But if that bow is not properly aligned with the right equipment, you will not even hit the target let alone the bullseye. But put that same bow into the hands of a person that knows how to align the bow, how to accurately put the pieces together. And you can then, in fact, not only hit your target, but you can hit the bullseye on a regular basis. And Even though that you may have the most expensive bow and you have it aligned, it is ineffective until the bow has been bent back. Because a bow in its form and position in which it has been created has no power in which to hit the target. It is only until that that bow that has been aligned is put into your hands and the bow is pulled back. And the measure that you are pulled back will determine the, the level in which you will be launched forward. And so if we're never willing to be put into God's bow, And be bent back so that we can, with velocity and with strength, be trajected into our next season. You see, the moment in which you will go, uh, the momentum in which you will go in is determined by the, the... that which you are able and willing to be bent back, not so you can stay back, but so that you can move with momentum forward. Amen. And God wants us to understand today that we are the arrows of the Lord, that he will put us in his bow and he will shoot us. He will cause us to go with great philosophy and great consistency into our future. And we will understand that we're not going to stay here forever. But God is saying, just come on back here to Bethel with me for a few moments. Come on back here in prayer for just a little while. Come on back here with me in worship for a season of your life. And when you do, I will release you with a consistency, with persistency, with authority, with clarity into your future and into your destiny. Because you see, there are some things that you can't break through by yourself. There are some things that you can't break through without having some momentum. Amen. You got to have some momentum to break through. Huh? Ralph, Ralph, Corey, is that Corey? Yep, come on up here real quick. Y'all stand right here.
this the other way. Turn around here. Ralph, what are you doing, brother? You know heareth me. He's sleeping. Turn this sideways again. Come here, Corey. Stand over there. Come over here, brother. I want y'all to lock hands. All right. Don't let me through. All right. As long as I'm in this season of my life and I'm here, this thing's pushing and I'm pushing against it, but I don't have any philosophy. I don't have any momentum. I can't get through this thing. Get back. Huh? Get back. Don't be talking to me. <laughs> I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> Amen. That's what it says to us, ain't it? You get back. You stay back. Right? But I can't get through it because I don't have any momentum. I'm just bouncing around. I don't have any accuracy. I can't get through. But if I back up, I have played some football, Corey. <laughs> huh? If I back up, are you hearing me? And I'm not just going to go back up there and just, you know, oh, could you let me through? Is there a deal we can make? No, whenever I back up in my prayer and my praise and my worship, I'm going back to Bethel. And now I'm going to be released. And this time I'm not going to hit that same thing. But whenever I come this time, I'm going to come with some velocity and I'm going to go through that thing. Thank you, guys. I may have went back for a moment, but it was just temporary so I could get to where God wanted me to go. That breakthrough is coming. The Bible says we're the arrows of the Lord. He speaks about the arrows of the Lord, that he would shoot the arrow of deliverance. God wants you to be an arrow of deliverance that he will shoot from his bow and he will cause you to have faith. He will cause you to have hope, understanding that you're not where you are for all of your life. It's just for a season of your life. And I'm going to learn from this season. I'm going to produce fruit in this season, but I'm going to break through that wall and that thing that had limited me all of the time before I'm about ready to go out of here. I'm about ready to bust bad on you. I'm about ready to come up over this thing and God is going to shoot me this time with momentum and I'm going to break through that thing that has held me back in days past. I'm about finished today but I want to tell you Joseph was pulled back He was pulled back by his brothers. Huh? He said, in fact, he said, whenever, you know, they they came and they was uh, going to sell him into slavery. And I can hear him saying, do you want to stay here with your brothers? Or do you want to be sold into slavery? And I can hear Joseph saying, I'll take door number two. Because I don't know what slavery is like, but I know what living with my crazy brothers is like. And so I'll take door number two. I'll take my chances there. His brothers would put him into a pit and pull him back. 
but that that strength that he found there would cause him to go to his next season in his life. It would push him to Potiphar's house and Mrs. Potiphar yet again would pull him back but it would look like it was meant to destroy him but because he kept focused on the purpose and the prize that which was meant to destroy him would only serve to propel him into his next season of his life. And now Pharaoh would come and he would be faithful in prison and we see that in the prison that he never gave up using his gift. His gift was bearing fruit in the prison so that when it looked like that they had gotten amnesia on him, forgot about him, left him in prison, it was his fruit that came back to mind. I remember Mr. Potiphar, there's a man in your prison that whenever I couldn't get understanding about what was going on in my life, he was able to tell me what the dream was all about. It was that fruit that stayed with that man that caused Pharaoh to call upon him to speak and use his gift. I want to tell you today that every time the enemy pulls you back, it may look like that it is a setback, but I'm telling you today it is a setup and God is about ready to pull you into a position. He's about ready to align you. He's about ready to put you in order and for your purpose and for your destiny and when he releases you, you're not going to go in the ditch. You're not going to go to the right, to the left. You're not going to miss the target, but you're going to hit the bullseye of your spiritual life and he is going to produce in you everything that he has said over your life. Amen. I tell you today, I don't need another word over my life. I don't want nobody to prophesy over me. I don't want anything that he said. And I'm not talking against the gift, you understand. But I'm looking for that which he has already spoken to come to pass. I'm looking to align myself and get in the order and get in the position and get in the place so that when he releases me, every word that he has spoken over my life, I will be able to perform, produce, and bring forth fruit from that season of my life. Every time he pulls you back, it's preparing you for launch. Every time you go back, he's preparing you for launch. And you have to be ready because when the bow is bent back to its maximum capacity and you are set and aligned for the bullseye, the shooter doesn't wait any longer because there is no need to wait any longer. You're aligned for the target. You're aligned for the bullseye. And it is then that the release comes and you're propelled into your destiny and your purpose. Stand with me today. I know I haven't come to talk to everybody today, but somebody needs this word. This word is for you today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal savior. You'll never hit the mark if you're not lined up. 
You must give your self to the great Bozeman, if you will, and allow him to put you in his great bow and shoot you into salvation. You hear today and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with the season that I'm in. Maybe I'm just needing to align myself somewhere in this message today the spirit of the Lord has just touched your heart isn't it wonderful for the Lord to touch our hearts Holy Spirit to minister to us if this works for you today Pastor Jamie is going to sing and as he sings this morning if this word is for you if it's touched your heart and you just want to say yes to the word today I want you to come to this altar and we're going to believe God with you and elders will meet us here in the prayer team and we'll pray with you and we'll believe God because you're not going backward to stay you're going back to move forward hallelujah thank you Jesus